<laughs> it just comes at you like that. Hey guys, it's Jennifer Hobbs here again with another episode of Celebrate the Struggle, where my mission and purpose with this is to just really encourage people to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, all the different stigmas that are out there with the touchy subjects we don't want to talk about, but hey, they're actually real life and they shape people into who they are. And um, from what I've read, like research proves that people that have been through the hardest struggle, like actually end up becoming some of the strongest people. So with that being said, I have one of the strongest people I know on this call. And her name is Malia Welch. She is the CEO and founder of Your Covered Painting, which is around the St. Louis area. So remember that because if you're around St. Louis and you're looking for the best painter, Your Covered Painting with Malia Welch. But not only is she a founder and CEO of her own business, but she is an inventor. Oh yeah, don't let that pretty hair fool you. Apparently she's an inventor too. She is in the inventor of PZ Paint products. And so all that information will be put into the show notes for you to be able to click on and see um, some of the products she has to offer, which I'm sure she'll probably talk a little bit about. But what's very cool about Malia, if you've seen her come across your social media at any point, is that um, she's just not any CEO and founder and inventor and a veteran. She uh, has gone from addiction to CEO and has lived um, quite a life of of struggle, even to... um, I've heard you, Malia, in a moment, I'll have you take it away, but I've heard you refer to um, yourself as like the comeback kid, like, like your, your struggle goes all the way back, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely a, a story of uh, a lot of deep, dark valleys and a real high mountaintop, a lot of uh, sadness and a lot of success and glory and, and happy moments. Uh, all together so Mm -hmm. and I had the pleasure and all my guests I won't really have the pleasure of knowing them prior to it but I had the pleasure of meeting Malia in basic training (laughs) yeah battle (laughs) years ago and so it's so cool that we have been able like and then we went like on spring break a year later you know <laughs> we have some pictures to prove that hot mess, but super fun. But then over the years, like me, you know, us going on with life and then like losing touch, but then getting back in touch and, and seeing where our lives have taken us. So tell our listeners a little bit more about you because you don't just become a CEO of your own company because I mean, some people get it handed to them, but people like you, they didn't get it handed to them. So tell people about your story a little bit. Yes. So, uh, long story short, of course, uh, like you said, uh, prior, I met you when I was uh, very young, uh, 17 years old, we were in basic training at, uh, Fort Leonard, Missouri. <laughs> now I'm a Missouri resident myself. Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, a pretty traumatic childhood growing up, um, uh, mother was kind of a, um, uh, she, she drank a lot, uh, abused alcohol a lot, was really promiscuous throughout my life. Uh, my father had, uh, went to prison on federal charges of 
uh, kingpin uh, drug charges and so grew up in a real chaotic uh sad sad childhood really mm-hmm. and so ultimately um you know if you can't beat them you join them type situation i guess and so i got into drugs uh, right after i got out of basic training right after i met you and i started to really experiment with drugs and um uh, experimented with a lot of different drugs but then when I started doing heroin uh, I remember doing heroin for the first time and thinking like this is what I've been looking for my whole life it made all the emotional trauma it made all the sadness in my heart it made all the voices all the pain everything and just made it all quiet and all quiet at once and so I was very young you know I was 17 when I uh, tried heroin for the first time and so my young mind wasn't able to grasp uh, what I was doing to my life, I was just looking for a fast solution to all the pain. And so I actually found that uh, in heroin. And so that led into a a nearly 13 year drug battle, Uh, you know, rehab, you know, I went to rehab 12 times, I went to prison three times and, uh, you know, mental institutions and arrest after arrests and uh, ICU units and hospitals and car wrecks and anything that you can really think of uh, I went through within those 12 years you know I got uh, date raped and uh, just you know uh, very 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 dark times in my life and I didn't really think that I would ever come out of it I remember even other addicts would say uh, if you (laughs) if you look up the definition of addict in the dictionary and this is true story this is really what they said you look up the definition of addict in the dictionary there is malia walsh's picture and so i was kind of a lost soul i was a a hopeless case and no one ever thought that i would change and so what happened was uh throughout those years i ended up having a daughter and at that time i'd like gotten sober just to have my daughter and give birth to her but right after I, i relapsed and I went back into my addiction. And um, after having Graceland, that kind of made me look at life a little differently. Uh, I didn't get sober right away, you know, but it definitely was in the back of my mind and in my heart. Uh, it was always like, I wanted to do better. I, I wanted to get better uh, for my daughter. So I wouldn't give my daughter, I wouldn't let my daughter down the way that my parents had let me down. But at the time, I just emotionally wasn't able to um, grasp the concept of how to heal myself. And so I went on throughout my addiction uh, for quite a few more years after I had Graceland, but uh, she was my motivation. All All I've ever wanted to be from the moment I had my daughter was I just wanted to be Graceland's mother. I just wanted to be a good mom. (laughs) All the success and all the glory and... and, um, all that came came after you know mm-hmm. really my motivation the whole entire time was just to be a mother to my daughter eventually so mm-hmm. which which is beautiful and honestly like so, sometimes people even that and and knowing they want to be the best mom even sometimes that isn't strong enough for them to push through that um addiction or any struggle like that so like that's very honorable 
that you were able to push through that other than like having the motivation of wanting to be a good mother for her did you have any other good support system in place or was it really just you your mind and wanting to be a good mom there was a lot of uh, things that I experimented with throughout the years of trying to uh, grasp recovery my, my mother uh, by the time that I was really in the depth of my addiction had kind of uh, she went through cancer and all that so she kind of stopped drinking and all that but she was still very toxic and very unhealthy uh, she was definitely I don't my mom just you know um, we're just all doing the best that we can with what we know uh, mm -hmm. I always say to my daughter and said everyone uh, when you know better you do better and, and sometimes we just don't know how to do better and so my mom did the best she could, could with me and tried to help me in any way possible so in an aspect she was a support system but she was kind of uh made me very codependent in a lot of ways and and she stood by me throughout all those years of rehabs and stuff like that but ultimately what uh, led me down to the road to recovery was I started taking the NA program seriously uh I started I, I was so uh, beat up and broken by the time that I got into the rooms of NA I was desperate for anything and I had came across uh, a medication called Vivitrol and Vivitrol is a monthly injection you can also take it in pill form and it lasts for 30 days and so it was an injection uh, that I took in uh, my behind <laughs> and I took it uh, uh, for a very long time for a very long time I took it each month and um, I remember the first month that I lived in St. Louis and I was taking this shot, I would drive to work and I would watch the sunrise every single morning on my way to work. And I would just cry because for the first time in 12 years, <laughs> my soul felt like it could breathe. And so Vivitrol uh, calmed the cravings and um, the, the mental cravings and all the madness, it calmed it down so I could actually focus and see what life was like sober. I mean, no, get me wrong, Vivitrol is not a uh, magical cure, but if you're really serious about getting sober, it, it, it's a perfect solution to an opiate addict. Um, but you, you have to really want it because ultimately, mm -hmm. you know, you, you, they can give you all the tools in the whole world. There's many people that do not succeed with Vivitrol. And the reason being is because they go back around the same people that they used to get high with. They go back to the same circumstances uh, and, and places that they used to go to. And so when I got on Vivitrol, I had actually moved away to St. Louis. I'd moved far from home. I moved up here um, in, a, in a junk car, <laughs> bald tires, and, uh, you know, the clothes on my back, I didn't, I didn't uh -huh. have any it was it was very lonely the first year I lived in St. Louis I didn't have anything I remember that old junk Malibu <laughs> pole tires you know <laughs> and and busted up car and just I was like I had I had uh you know I think 75 dollars to last me the entire week that week that first week I was up here and I didn't know how I was going to make it or or how things were going to turn out I was just really desperate for a change and I was willing to do whatever it took and uh, that's how usually people start to get their life together. They're willing to do whatever it takes to have a better life. And so uh, that led me into the life that I have now. So. Yeah, that's, that's stinking powerful. Um, 
very courageous like and and you're absolutely right that like you could have all the tools in the world and unless like you yourself deep down inside like want to put in the work then it's not going to happen um you had it's mentioned work, you know it yeah it's uh it's hard it's hard work it's uh the hardest thing I've ever done you know I mean it was uh I mean, I didn't, I didn't think I was ever going to grasp the concept of a better life. And then one day it was like, I looked around and I was like, holy shit, you know, it's over, mm-hmm. you know, this amount of time. So I, I, I realized what I was just going to say when I was saying that's so powerful. Um, this, the statement you made that I was thinking of that was so powerful was that as you were driving and watching that sunset, it was the first time in 12 years that you could just breathe like wow like how how like uh like trapping gosh to finally get out of this trap and and to feel like after 12 years to breathe like that's I'm I'm glad that you can breathe now and and I hope for everyone else that they can find it in themselves and know that you you are strong and you have to want it really really bad no matter whether it's addiction or recovering from different traumatic events like so you had mentioned you know like needing to move and get away from where you were um from what I know about you uh you lost a lot of friends right yeah so the uh, you know, something inside of me, you know, you can call it God, you can call it, um, the universe, you know, whatever it means to you, ultimately, like something inside of me kept telling me to leave, to leave my hometown, leave, 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 you know? And so I thought like, I can't, I can't shut this voice up. And so even though I was terrified, very codependent on, on my family, never been away from my family, I was leaving my daughter, you know, so um, ultimately I was leaving all that I knew. I was leaving my daughter in another state with my mother to take care of her um, and moving up to St. Louis all by myself without anything. And so very shortly after I moved to St. Louis, what happened was uh, I remember I was up here probably not even six months and the first of my friends, uh, Bridget, she had died of a heroin overdose. And then from then on out about every, every three to nine months, uh, someone new would die. And now I think that I was actually talking to my girlfriend the other day about it. Uh, There's like 15 uh, friends of mine that have all passed away due to the opiate epidemic. And um, it never gets easier. It never um, and never, it just never gets easier and seeing their faces, seeing their family's faces. I used to carry a lot of, uh, survivor's guilt around with me. Uh, you know, why them? Mm-hmm. Why not me? I see their children. I see their families. I'll go home and I carried all around with me, you know, and I, I think about them and, and every success that I have, every failure that I have, the way that I'm able to hug my daughter every single day, the way I'm able to be with my daughter every single day. And, I'll, and a lot of them, 
you know, will never get to experience that ever again. And mm-hmm. it's, it's very sad to me. There's uh, most of them are gone now, but the ones that I, I ran around with out of probably like 15 or 20 people, two of them got sober. A couple of them are still in their addiction uh, in prison and, and a couple of them are still in their addiction running around. And so unfortunately I just kind of hold my breath waiting for the phone call of, of hearing about, you know, they passed away too, because there's no, there's no out in that life. It's either jails, institutions or death. And I remember they used to say that around the rooms of NA early in recovery. And I was like, you know, whatever, but it really is true. So there's only, you know, uh, three choices in that lifestyle. And, and one of those three choices are, are going to end up happening if you don't take your recovery mm-hmm. very it's over. So uh, it was definitely a struggle for a long time because what I found out when I, when I got sober was that it, it wasn't like, uh, not doing drugs was the easy part, <laughs> you know, not doing drugs was the easy part because what I found out was, was there was a whole lot of reasons why I was using all those years. It was right. The triggers. Yeah. And so there was a lot of emotional baggage and damage that I took along with me. And so the longer I got sober, the more I worked on that. And what really, when I really started changing was when I started going to therapy and I really started taking therapy serious because I wanted to know, you know, why am I like this? And and how do I change these behaviors? Because I don't want to be fucked up like this anymore. Like Mm -hmm. I want, I want to live free. I want to live a good life. I want to live a fulfilled life. And I still felt like, you know, years in a move living in St. Louis, like I still felt like I was being very weighed down by the emotional baggage that I was still carrying. But a lot of work that I had to do, definitely self-reflection. So yeah, it's like a full-time job to to get through all that, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it was. I mean it was I remember being in a relationship and um you know she's saying all you do is you know all you do is work and, and focus on your recovery. And like, you know, you wanted me sober. Like, what, what more do you want? You know, right. like, I'm trying, like, I'm trying, like, and so, uh, it did, it, it just, you know, and, and I was in uh, relationships here and there throughout the past few years, but ultimately, uh, I took like a year and a half. So, uh, excuse me, I took a year and a half to myself and as you know, and many that uh, follow me, I, obviously, like you're a personal friend of mine and Jen, you're so awesome. And just thank you for the years of support. Like, uh, not everyone knows what a, an amazing, badass human being you are. <laughs> you are just a great thank friend you. early on. And you, you know, Jen wrote me letters in prison and, and was always there, you know, in the background supporting and everything. And, um, you know, it's, uh, I look around my life still to this day and I'm like, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm living someone else's life. Like, you right. know, I can't believe, like I get to go to all these cool places and do all these cool things. And I used to be, I, I joke, you know, I'm like, I used to be a heroin junkie, but now I'm just an adrenaline junkie, you know, I'm uh-huh. off big ass waterfalls and stuff. So. Yes. So let, let's tell our listeners a little bit about that, because if, if you do uh, follow Malia on TikTok or Facebook, you'll see that she <laughs> is like living her best life. Now, of course, that comes with life struggles. Like she's still 
is faced with challenges on a daily basis, but tell the listeners, like how in the world did you go from rock bottom, like fighting the opiate epidemic to like bald tires and now you own your own like insanely I don't even think popular is the word but um insanely um elite uh painting business how in the world what in the world happened yeah so uh when I was in prison I actually uh weaseled my way into a construction trades program that I wasn't even supposed to be in but I <laughs> I dropped notes to the principal uh, every single day for a solid month. And he is like, I've never had someone be so persistent with me in getting this program. He's like, you know, it's a year and a half wait, uh, you know, list. And I said, yeah, I said, but I really want to be in this program. And he's like, if I put you in this program, will you just stop writing me every single day? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, if you do not stop putting me, if you do not put me in the program, I'm going to continue to write you until you put me in the program. So, <laughs> you know, and uh, he just, you know, just loved me and, and, you know, I said, I'm going to get out. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to complete this program. I'm going to get out. I'm going to get in the union. I'm going to do that for a few years. I'm going to get out of the union and I'm going to build my own company, you know, and he, and he laughed at me and he was like, you know, what's crazy. Welch is he said, uh, I, I see a lot of bullshitters here in prison. He said, but I, I, I believe you when you say that you're going to do these things. He said, because your persistence in here with just dropping me notes every single day, trying to get this class, you know, he's like, I really believe you're going to. In fact, that's exactly what I did. So uh, moved to St. Louis, uh, was on my road to recovery, got into the union. I was uh, in the union carpenters for mm-hmm. a few years, I was in the union painters for a few years. And then I decided I would get out. I'd open my own company. Uh, everybody was like, oh, you're crazy. You know, you'll never make it. And, da, da, da. and I said, you know what? Fuck fuck you guys, you know, mm-hmm. people call me crazy my whole life. And uh, that's okay. Now I'm being called crazy for a good thing. So I got out and within the first year of my painting business, I started making six figures a year. People couldn't believe it. Uh, we do very high clientele, uh, politicians, executives, a lot of people mm-hmm. don't know, but St. Louis is actually a hub for a lot of the corporate headquarters of all the big companies. I've worked for, uh, you know, the executives of enterprise and mastercard and politicians and some of the uh baseball players and and lots of really famous awesome people and man i'm just so blessed so i got into a very select um clientele base in st louis and Mm -hmm. so i always joke that you know i'm in the business of painting mansions and so my company you know we, we paint some beautiful homes we just got done a few months ago painting a 9,000 square foot mansion and um, I went from growing up extremely poor uh, being in my addiction uh, extremely poor and and not having anything at all and going from that to just major success so it's like all within a year you know everything changed like I got sober uh, within a year I got my daughter back and I actually uh, went to court, uh, fought my own child custody case against my mother. Unfortunately, you know, we uh, definitely had some differing opinions about that. And so represented myself, got my daughter back, uh, built my painting company. And so everything happened really, really fast. And, and 
And I'm not going to sit here and, and tell everyone that it was easy, that it was an easy transition. It was a lot of change and it was very fast and it was very hard to, to deal with all that change. And to, and to be honest with you, I didn't know how to deal with it all. It took definitely a, a toll on, on me, you know, as a, as a person at the time I was in a relationship, it took a huge toll on the relationship. And unfortunately it, it came to an end, but um, I, I'm grateful for that relationship in the beginning, because there was a lot of uh, good life lessons that, that was taught to me in that relationship. And, and a, a lot of, uh, a lot of very powerful things that happened that, that changed the course of my life. Mm-hmm. for the better and so uh it just my company just kept getting bigger and bigger and success uh got bigger and bigger and I'm <laughs> I'm a workaholic so I kind of turned my addiction into work and so I became workaholic and I worked all the time and you know it was really taking hold of me I'm like what am I working for if I'm not able to enjoy my money you know, uh, I was miserable, kind of. I, I had all this money and all this success. And uh, can we wait one second? I got to plug yeah, my phone. Yeah, yeah. Let me let's plug. I feel like if I'm good at technology, that would be a great spot to throw in a commercial of your invention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So but you were, yeah, uh, yeah. go ahead. So then I, uh, you know, like I said, like that relationship, I came to an end and, uh, I, I called my mom one day and I said, you know, what? uh, I found out that she was, had late stages emphysema that after, you know, didn't give us a very good prognosis. And I said, you know what? I said, we should just go to Hawaii. I said, you've never been to Hawaii. I've never been to Hawaii. Let's just take off and go to Maui. And she's like, what are you talking about? You've never, you know, you've never been. And so we did, we, we went to Maui. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. Uh, my mother took a turn for the worst. Uh, not too much, not too much after that. So it was as if God, universe, whatever you want to call it, had told me, you know, had kind of led me into that path. And then once I went there and I saw the beauty of travel and the beauty of the world, I got addicted to it. And so I started traveling. And so now uh, my daughter and I would travel about every 30 to 60 days as you know Jen mm-hmm. like to pick off these amazing places and and we get to do you know we just got back from uh, Oahu and Kauai we went shark diving we went uh waterfall rappelling we uh we did some biking down it's called uh I don't want to uh <laughs> the Hawaiian names are so hard to pronounce and I don't want to disrespect the Hawaiian culture. So it, it was like Waimi Canyon. And so it's the Hawaiian Islands Grand Canyon. And it, it's just the most beautiful. It, it's just so beautiful. The Hawaiian Islands are my favorite place to travel. I've been there three times within the past three years. This is my, it was my second time this year to the Hawaiian Islands. And Every time I go there, it's harder and harder to come back. And so we, mm-hmm. my daughter and I do all these crazy things. We snorkel and we uh, shark dive, we waterfall, rappel. I mean, anything that you can think of that is wild and crazy, we do and we do it together. And I'm just so grateful each and every day for my life and for those trips because it's a life that if I would have prayed,
It's a life I never thought would ever be mine. And it is, <laughs> girl. I never thought would be mine. <laughs> and it's so totally, nice, like I'm it's still painting totally. myself. <laughs> so. It's totally your life. And, and it's so good that you have found the balance between being addicted to work, but then realizing like you need to live, you need to live outside of loving your job and, and life is short. So I say that all the time, nearly every day. <laughs> yeah, it really is. That's so good that you get to have so many amazing experiences with your daughter. How I really hope that this, I know this is going to be a tough question, um, but I think it'll really help other people in the same situation. How, how are the conversation? Have you had conversation? I think we've talked about this. You have had to like, kind of talk to your daughter about a little bit about your past and where you are now. Like, I know you've, you've talked to her about it in the sense of You've mentioned to me, like letting her know, like, like that you choose, um, you know, your choices, but for anybody listening that has, um, children in their life or maybe even a sibling or a spouse that, um, doesn't know, can't relate to, um, addiction or returning from trauma, how has the conversations with your, like, 12 year old daughter then and when did those kind of start I'm sure like you don't really have like super actually I don't know do you have deep conversations with her or do you just kind of how's that go so my daughter is an Aries I don't know what you know about horoscopes or or, or my daughter's an Aries so she is just naturally a very uh, deep person I'm a very deep person and my brother and my daughter always tease me that I sound like a, a walking Facebook quote at all times. So I'm always like quoting <laughs> things to her. Um, uh, she gets so tired of my bullshit. You know, she gets so tired of my Facebook quote. Um, but, you know, I, uh, I, I take her to a lot of speaking engagements. I'll take her to different different things like uh, a couple years ago we went to a grand opening of a house halfway house of a good friend of mine uh the governor Illinois governor's uh wife mk pritzer was at that event she got to meet mk they're they're very much for prison reform and recovery and just an outstanding great lady the lieutenant governor juliana just outstanding women uh, really strong and wanting to learn how to help and rehabilitate these individuals instead of locking them up and throwing away the key. And we were blessed to meet those people. And Graceland goes with me to all those places and, and gets to meet all those people. So she she's very aware. She's heard me speak very aware of my past. And I keep that very honest with her for a long time. I think she was like, around nine or 10 or so before I started telling her about, about my story and about the things that I went through because one side of me wanted to shelter her from it, but the other side of me wanted her to know, like, no one, no one tries drugs or no one starts partying thinking like, oh, I'm going to be a heroin addict. I'm going to be shooting up in my arm and go to mm -hmm. prison and kill myself for drugs and 
and steal from my family and lose my children. No one starts doing things thinking that. And so I remember that I, the way I actually introduced her to uh, what I did because we were talking and I was talking about traveling for speaking and stuff like that. And I said, you know, I set her down and I had her watch my speaker reel mm-hmm. and my and, and she she started crying and I started crying and I said, you know, Graceland, the love I had for you kept my heart beating. It kept me trying. It kept me believing that that one day I would get it right, whether it was 12 times in rehab or, or 25. And mommy loves you so much, you know, and I'm sharing this with you because I never want you to make those same mistakes. I never want you to go down uh, that awful road because, you know, it's just the things that I saw in and out of prison, not only, you know, in prison, but also out. I just, I can't even imagine Graceland going through those things. And so I'm, I'm always very honest with her and real, even about the most horrendous things that happened to me in my addiction. I, I told her about, you know, and now she's at the age, she's about to become a teenager. And uh, recently I caught her vaping, you know, as I told you earlier, Jen, and, and uh, it was hard for me. You know, I'm terrified. Uh, her, her father is an addict as well. And he, I believe he's in recovery, not really for sure. He's not a, a big part of Graceland's life. And so she gets it from both sides. So when I found that out, I just completely flipped out because she doesn't understand that like when you have parents on both sides that are, that have a past of addiction or whether it's like alcohol or whether it's drugs or whatever like you have a 90 percent chance a 90 percent chance of becoming an addict yourself uh trying trying these like drugs and substances and stuff as where if it's only like one parent it's like i think it's like a 50 percent 40 percent chance uh it's just insanely high or both sides so I'm just terrified. And she always says, you know, you're so strict mom and you're stricter than all the other parents, but it's fear. It's fear Mm -hmm. that drives me. I just want to protect her. And, and I called my mom, you know, crying and mom, you know, I'm so sorry about putting you through all that. Like, I can't even imagine what you, what you must have felt like. And I, I just cannot even wrap my head around my daughter doing things like that and me having to worry about things like that it it made my past and the pain that I caused through the years it made it very real at that moment and I always say this a lot that life has a way of coming full circle and I really believe what you put out you get back in 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 some aspect and and I do believe that the lessons that you are supposed to learn if you do not learn 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 them the first time life teaches tries to teach you them that life will keep trying to teach you the same lesson until you actually grasp that concept and and you learn the lesson that's needed to be learned and and that uh aspect so uh I just I try to be a good woman I I try to be the woman that I would want my daughter to be I definitely fell every single day in in some aspect but you know tomorrow's a new day and I, I pick myself back up and I say, you know, Graceland, I'm human. I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. You're human. You make mistakes. You're not perfect. And we're all just trying to do the best we can. And I hope that, you know, I'm 
that you look back and you can say, you know, my mom was a great mom. She loved me and she did the very best she could. And, you know, every day she tried to be a better woman than she was the day before. So it's terrifying. It's, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you know, she's a teenager, so mm-hmm. really crazy. So. Oh man, teenagers make my it makes my heart rate start to go up. <laughs> oh, I mean, seriously, it's just it's like you know, I got her back when she was uh like eight and a half, and I hadn't had her since she was like a toddler. And when I got her back, I remember it was very overwhelming. It was very scary. Uh, I was early in recovery. I just had a little bit over a year back, a year sober when I got my daughter back. And so I was still like learning how to be a mom. I was still learning how to live like an adult because all those years, like I had, you know, essentially like I started using when I was 17. So really honestly like I was kind of still in that concept of being 17 you know I didn't Mm -hmm. have responsibilities I didn't have I didn't really know what it was to be responsible or like be accountable for the things that I on my uh you know I my grandmother had died Graceland was nine months old but she coddled me my mother and grandmother had coddled me to to such a, a unbelievable uh it it was just horrible because I didn't really know how to ever stand on my own two feet and so even as an adult even at 24 having a child of my own I didn't know how to stand on my own two feet you know I was in throes of addiction in and out and it was just man (laughs) I remember getting sober and like moving to St. Louis by myself it was just so insane it was so surreal (laughs) like looking around like pretending to be this adult and having my shit together like I remember paying all my bills the first like six months on time and stuff like look at me you know this is all ordinary and like normal all these right non-normal I'm like oh shit like I have insurance like I pay my insurance (laughs) for my car every month you know (laughs) <laughs> I, I love that you put all that out there because that is precisely what like we all not all of us but like some of us like truly have gone through and like that's a celebration in itself like holy moly I I I had a fresh pair of clothes on every every day this month <laughs> like you know just different yeah, things yeah. like that like I am making it in the world <laughs> so um I think I know the answer to this question, but you became, you know, the inventor of your PZ paint products and, um, (laughs) which is so cool. Like the, am I correct in saying that, um, your product, like the number one product, I guess, I don't know if that's the term that other people are looking at, um, right now and, and partnering with you you thought of that based on like your need as a painter right like you needed those buckets of paint up on that darn ladder without having to go down and like that's is that how you got the idea tell tell everyone what the name of it is and basically the concept and we'll make sure to put in the notes the link and like your little the video so they can see just how amazing your crazy brain works 
Yeah, so uh, so insane. So my daughter and I, huge Shark Tank fans, huge Shark Tank fans. <laughs> and so I was going through a pretty hard time in my life, actually, at, at that moment. Gracelyn and I would lay on the couch every night. We watched Shark Tank. And so we kind of started talking about different tools, uh, what would help mommy, you know, what would help mommy the best. And we kind of, you know, threw some different ideas up. And so I started kind of drawing out some concepts of, you know, things that I needed. I was looking for this tool actually for a solid year before I invented it. I was just looking for a painting bucket to be on my ladder. They held two colors at one time because all there is is like these hooks, these stupid hooks that hook on each side of the ladder and your paint cans are swinging and uh, I'm very clumsy, just naturally very clumsy. I'd hit these paint cans, you know, they'd splatter this and that everywhere. It was just such a mess. And so excuse me, I went and, you know, I, I had, uh, I, I drew this out right. And so I let it actually sit on my refrigerator for a few months and I kept on going back and forth with it. And I'm like, man, like I have to do it. I like, I have to do it. Something kept pulling me towards this project. So I went, I had it prototyped and all that, got the patents on it, stuff. I got one made, started working with it myself. And I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm on to something. And so uh, it holds two colors at one time, which no other paint bucket on the market holds two colors of, at one time, which is kind of like mind blown there. And I remember when I pitched it to the uh, patent attorney and he said, you know, he said, there's when you have to do a patent search before you uh, invent something to make sure no one else had actually invented it, you know, that you're not stealing someone else's patent. And so he was like, you know, Malia, there's just no way that no one else has ever made this bucket. Uh, if he, it, if they haven't, like you're really on to something, you know? And so um, they hadn't, and he was blown away. I was blown away. And so, you know, fast forward, got a prototype made, started start using on my own project, you know, let some other painters use it. They loved it. I started pitching it to all these big box retailers, this, that. They loved it. They wanted to put it on the website, this, that. So started sending it to trade shows. And right now I'm actually in the middle of financial negotiations with a couple big companies and deciding whether to go ahead and sell that invention or partnering up with it. Nothing happens in corporate America fast. So I'm the kind of person that I want things done right now. Mm -hmm. But uh, this has been a product that I've been working on for two solid years. And I have actually two other products that I'm inventing currently and I'm Ooh. about to put out well. And so hopefully one day PZ Paint Products will be, you know, a multi-million dollar company with a lot of products of our own and mm -hmm. tools of our own. And so everyone thought I was crazy with putting, you know, all the money, the thousands and thousands of dollars that it takes to put out an invention they thought I was crazy. And, you know, I just laughed at myself and like, people's been calling me crazy all my life. Like, at least you're not calling <laughs> yeah. me crazy now because, you know, I'm waking up with Narcan shots in the back of an ambulance, you know, <laughs> like, you're calling me crazy for good reason now, you know, yeah. so, uh, you know, you're not calling me crazy because you see me like fighting the cops and handcuffs and then macing me or anything. You're calling all me right. crazy for a good reason. So it makes me feel good for, you know, <laughs> call me good yeah. you want, <laughs> you know. I'm used to it. Um, so yeah. And, and, uh, looks like it's, it's going to be a, a huge deal for me. It, it's a huge success for me. It still doesn't seem real. Like it's still just, my life just does not seem real to me. Mm -hmm. It's, I work night and day on PZ paint bucket. Yeah. I work night and mm -hmm. day and I was 
single at the time for nearly two years. And honestly, I had to be single at the time because there's no way in hell I could have kept a relationship and worked on that invention at the same yeah. time. Every single uh, moment of my time, I mean, I, I was getting it, you know, worked on through China and all that. And so China is actually 12 hours in front of us. So by the time I work during the day painting, I'd come home, I'd be exhausted. I'd be laying in bed and I would be working out and negotiating with China, you know, different aspects of that paint bucket. And it was, uh, I mean, just, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. Definitely. It, it takes a lot to invent something. And I don't think that people really understand that until they start getting in that realm themselves, because it really is, it is not for chumps. Let me tell you, it is not. I bet. But, I bet. Uh, yeah. So. You know, what's, what's interesting when you were talking about like people calling you crazy, which people are really good at doing that and like judging others. But what's, what's crazy is that like, you could have ended up like if we're being real and you have shared like and and I, again I'll put in the show notes your links and then like some of your speaking engagements because you have started to put your story out there and are continuing to look at that into the future to sharing your story to help other people but you have put out there like your mug shot um you know, uh, <laughs> like, like just a big, like heroin is so not a hero picture. And so like, it's interesting to see that, like, you could have been one of those people that ended up on one of those billboards where it's like before heroin, after heroin, instead, <laughs> instead now you are legit on a billboard, not with your heroin magic mug shot, yep. but like, yep legit on a billboard around st louis with we got you you your covered painting so if you're in the st louis area and this this pretty (laughs) voice and this pretty face sounds familiar it's probably because you've seen her rump up there on the billboard turned around as she's (laughs) painting so i got one funny story about that oh yeah let's hear it so, you know, Jen, like it has me, right? Like, uh, has me on the billboard painting. And so, uh, I, like, I see my billboard, I'm all excited, right? You saw it, like I posted it on Facebook and everything. Uh-huh. And, um, like, and then you see me like running up on my billboard, not supposed to, right? Like, super <laughs> illegal to do this, but I climb this whole damn billboard, right? I climb this whole billboard and I get on top of the billboard and take a picture with my own billboard. Right? Like, That's awesome. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like all looking around, like I haven't broken the in years, you know, and this is what I'm like. It's a funny, like, I'm like, never did I think I'd be breaking the law to not only like take a picture of me with my own billboard, but I sure the hell didn't think I'd be on a billboard. No, with, like my doubt. own company. I thought I'd be on billboard, just like you said, right? Like, no, no drugs, kids. Like, you're uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And so. I feel like that should definitely be a citation that's like overlooked. Like, if you're taking your selfie with your billboard, then like that should be that should be allowed for sure. Yeah, yeah, typical, <laughs> yeah. I have a couple more questions for you because since, uh, since we know you are an adrenaline junkie and very good at being able to, well, 
getting better at like identifying that you need to live your life and not just be addicted to work although you can't be on vacation every day so on the days that you're not on vacation what kinds of because I I I think it's very very important for us to um make sure we have that self-care whether uh, in in all different ways spiritually mentally physically um and so what kinds of things do you try to commit to like daily that like benefit you and your self-care I have one in mind just because I know you um what kinds of things do you try and make sure you do daily for self-care because you know it is self-care for you and it brings benefits oh you're muted you're muted Okay. Um, so a, a lot of different things. That's actually a great question. And I actually get, I actually get that a lot. I get that a lot um, in the speaking engagements and stuff that I go to uh, or like parents or people in recovery or mm-hmm. people that are trying to look for recovery. They ask me that a lot. Like, you know, give me the magical answer, right? So there is no magical answer. But what I can tell you is that I try to stay grounded. I tr- I try to stay very focused on if I'm not happy, I, if I'm angry or sad or any of the above, it's like I do a self-awareness check every single day. Like I check in with myself, like how is Malia today? Like, is Malia having a good day? And if I'm not, then why am I sad? Why am I sad? Am I, you know, thinking about using, am, am I thinking about having anger outbursts? And if so, why? So I'm definitely always asking myself and taking a look like outside in. And, uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say necessarily meditate, but what I do do a lot is I go out in nature and I spend a lot of time out in nature. There's, as you know, and a, a lot of people that follow me as well, they know that I read all the time. I, I listen to a lot of audible books and there's a, a book, uh, it's called something like the three day ex- outdoor experiment or, or something like that. But it's about how, if you are out in nature for at least like two or three days, your body actually resets, like your mind, heart, body, soul completely like resets. And it really is true. And so that's why I also travel a lot. And you don't have to necessarily travel a lot, right? You can go hiking about the, the woods near you and things like that. And so I, uh, I'm giving you like a huge long version of what you asked me, right? No, but there, there's so yeah. many things that 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 I check in with myself daily that that help me daily. But the biggest one is like I said, just staying grounded and doing self check check ins with myself. I try to go to NA meetings still to this day. I try to uh, help people whenever I can, whether it's just, uh, you know, seeing someone sad and saying, Hey, you know what? Just want to tell you, you look really nice today. Or, uh, you know, my daughter, she's just the best at this. She's just the best at this. She's, um, we give random compliments to people. So anywhere we're at, Graceland will randomly go, you know, she'll pass by someone. You know, I just want to tell you, you're really pretty, you know, and and showing kindness and spreading kindness and and spreading love 
it really it really does something for us and people that know me personally close know that I donate to charities every single month sometimes it's not just like charities sometimes it's individuals and I pick uh, families each year for Christmas to sponsor through my company and I, I do a lot of giving back and what I found is giving back and helping others soothes my soul and, and helps me grow as an individual more than anything else and it's also taught my daughter a lot of great valuable lessons in life I try like I said I still try to go to NA meetings I I help and give whenever I can I try to lay in bed at night and think like have I done everything I could to be a better person a better woman a better mother like did I say things that I shouldn't have said today and, and if I if I did like do I need to apologize do I need to make that right so I'm very like self-aware and that took me a long time to to grasp that and so that keeps me they they say a grateful addict will, will not uh relapse and I think there's a lot of truth to that my life now it's normal to me uh you know it's normal to me to take trips all the time it's normal for me to not worry about what's in the bank to go grocery shopping it's you know all these things I don't even think twice about and sometimes like I remember you know back in my childhood right like my mom uh, something that sticks out with me and and I'll never forget it it was a time that I was very young I was probably around my daughter's age maybe a little younger and my mom said I wanted to go skating at the skating rink and she said well Malia you know I only have enough money to either let you go skating or to buy a pizza for us you know and I knew my mom was hungry but I knew she would just eat something random out of the cabinet uh, and just you know like just settle her stomach with something like that but really like she wanted pizza right because she was hungry but she was willing to uh let me go skating instead and so I I chose that pizza that night <laughs> and um I think about those humble beginnings I think about seeing my mom cry on her bed, not being able to pay our bills because she didn't know how she was going to take care of us raising two kids on our own. And I, I try to, when I start getting a little arrogant or a little cocky, I try to remind myself of all those humble beginnings and it grounds mm -hmm. me, levels me. You know, my daughter is very, uh, this life is all she's ever known. Mm -hmm. You never know about the struggles that her mo mother had to give her all the life that we have now. Yeah. So I, I feel like being humble and reminding yourself how to be grateful every day is, is the best gift that you can give, give yourself. So yeah. long story <laughs> to answer your question. I think it was perfect. I mean, honestly, like just from the very beginning, talking about being self-aware and staying grounded, like inevitably like I feel like that is the best answer you could give because whether it's I was thinking audiobooks I knew that you listen to audiobooks a lot and um you know whether it's exercising yoga or you know going in nature anything like that like that you're not going to get the benefits from those things unless you are in touch with yourself and self-aware and like mindful. So I feel like that was the perfect answer. And that's where we all should start with. And, and I did learn recently that like, 
going and just walking in nature or sitting in nature is a form of meditation. I always just thought it was more like, um, but now yeah. I'm starting to find out that I'm not as smart as my two master's degrees. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like that was a perfect answer. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you came on here. Like I've been so excited to have you on here, not just because I love you to death, but because you have a story that I have admired for so long, like from, from addiction, even before CEO and inventor and, (laughs) you know, vacationer, all that stuff. And you've told me this before, like Jennifer, like all that, like, it's not even about that. Like, it's like you taste the the sweetness of life without those six digits, potential million dollar business. Like you now can taste life so much sweeter with that clear, you know, in touch self-awareness and, and, and that's phenomenal. And yeah, everyone always tells me they're, you know, uh, sometimes like when I go home, I'll see people from home when I, I rarely go back to my hometown, but I will occasionally and they're like, Oh, you know, like, I can't believe you're just like still you, like, you're not like, we see all this stuff about you and we think like, Oh, you're this big shot. You're this, you're that. But like, then you come and you're just like Malia, like you mm-hmm. wouldn't even know that you have all the success or all the great things going on in your life that, that you do because you're just still Malia. You haven't changed, you know, you're sober and, and all that now, but like, you're just Malia. And I love that people say that to me because I feel like that's the best compliment in the whole world because mm-hmm. uh, I tell them, you know, money doesn't buy happiness. It doesn't like success doesn't buy happiness. I thought, I think in, in my mind, I thought for a long time, like if I have this, I have this car, I have this house, I have this amount of money in my bank account. If I'm able to do this, if I'm able to go here, then I'll be fulfilled and everything will be, be great. But the more success and the more money and the more travels and the more places that, that I got to and achieved, uh, the more I realized that that's not what life is about. And none of that really matters. No one's going to their grave and able to take that boat with them or that mm-hmm. house. And I think, like I always tell Graceland, the most important thing that you can do in life is just be a good human. Just be mm-hmm. a good human with with a good heart because that's what people are going to remember you for. They're they're not going to remember that big yacht boat. You know, when they think of you, they're not going to think that and think that, oh, what a great person because you had a 60 foot yacht or whatever, you know, your heart and who you are inside is ultimately going, going to make you memorable for all the right reasons. And so I try to tell her that every single day because she's starting to get at this age, you know, she's really starting to try to find her own way and, and what her own life looks like in uh in this life as well and so you know be humble be kind just be a good person we never know what anyone else is going through mm-hmm. there was many times in my life that uh i just needed a kind word i just needed someone to believe in me to tell me that i could do it that i i could succeed even when the odds were against me and i never underestimate anyone in this life because no one ever thought that i would change no one ever thought that i would change and i did and i just the other day, actually, a good friend of mine, he's a DEA agent from where I'm from. 
any sommelier, I just want you to know that uh, I think of you often. You're on my heart often. And I see all this drug addiction and all these bad things around here and just these people, you know, over and over and over again. And it just, it makes you very cold and it makes you just have just this bitterness in your, in your heart. And he's like, and I just, then I think about you, Malia, I think about how no one ever thought that you'd change and they had all given up all hope on you. And he's like, you're the reason that I continue to do the job that I do because of people, you know so it made my day like it made my day the same the same guys that you know arrested me back no doubt the same judges that sentenced me you know will will message me you know still this day and just be like you're the reason that I believe in the good in people holy cow well that (laughs) like is uh that you pretty much dropped the mic on the best way to end this show. That's amazing. Like that you're an inspiration to the people that put you in cuffs when, when you could have been a different billboard, like you're an inspiration to them. And I know very well that the people listening right now, that there are people out there that you're an inspiration to them right now. And, and that, uh, I think they would agree with me in saying that you are one badass chick (laughs) and Graceland is so lucky to have you. I'm so glad that she was a part of saving your life. Oh man. She's, uh, she's the very best part of me. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, folks, we're going to bring it to an end. I know you're so mad, though, because we could probably stay on here forever. But maybe we'll have a visit from you in the future, you know, like when your inventions hit the market. You could, re- you could revisit us. So, And I will make sure to put in the notes how you can, how you can stalk Malia. Social media, folks, don't be trying to roll up in her neighborhood. That's super weird. <laughs> Although if you do climb up the billboard and take your selfie with her picture, like, I feel like I will give you like something like a free copy of my book or something, because that <laughs> is super ballsy and would be super cool. But this uh-huh. is Malia Welch. Malia, thank you for being in here. Thank you for being vulnerable and honest and, and getting comfortable with the uncomfortable so that we can just best enlighten ourselves and give that crap its space and realize that it doesn't define our future. Yeah. Well, Jen, you know, thank you so much. Like I just, I couldn't be happier for you, for your success, for your book. I like tell everybody about you. You know, we had a bond early on from basic training Mm -hmm. and I've just always loved you and had like a huge spot in my heart for you because, uh, you know, you're one of those people that saw me when like I was nothing, you know, and there's two types of people you never forget in your life when you're in, in that realm of uh, uh, just awfulness. You never Mm -hmm. forget the people that kicked you when you were down and you never forget the people that saw you and, and reached out their hand to help and, you know, showed you kindness for no reason. And you just never forget about those people. And you was just one of those people that you were always good to me. You always loved, loved me. We we're, you know, good friends from the moment we met. Mm-hmm. And so thankful for your friendship throughout these years. And I couldn't be 
more proud of you, Jen, and just so proud to call you my friend. I love you so much. And I just thank you so much for letting me be on your podcast. Thank you, dear. I love you too. And um, my go-go gadget hand is here for you anytime you need it. Just as I, <laughs> just as I know yours is there for me. So thank you again for joining us. And we look forward to the next time you're going to be on here. All right. We'll see what else you invented. All right. I have a lot of good stuff up my sleeve. No worries there. I don't <laughs> doubt it. All right, folks, we'll see you next time on Celebrate the Struggle. Bye. <laughs> Bye.